Welcome to the Innovation Sports and Swords. I'm your host, Mark Winterton, and joining me in this show is Philip Ketty, UNA High School's head wrestling coach. We did this interview over the phone, so sometimes we didn't have the best connection, but this was a great interview, and you definitely feel the love Coach Ketty has for his student-athletes and see how blessed the UNA School District is to have him. Before I get to that, I want to mention the sponsors of our show, Rub Housing Kennels. They specialize in doggy daycare. First day is free, so go allow your dog to get their energy out and socialize with other dogs and watch your dog play on their live cameras from their website. Just go to roughhousingkennels.com. That's R-U-F-F housingkennels.com. Or call 435-725-DOGS for more information. Also, the Levitt Group Insurance Agency, Colonel Roosevelt. We are your oil and gas insurance providers. Oil and gas is a specialized market in the insurance world, and and that's what we specialize in. So give us a call today, 435-781-0000, or you can call me at 435-724-7773. Philip, UNA is a wrestling community, and I say that meaning almost everyone that attends or has attended UNA High School in the past 60 years has had a friend or relative that wrestled. So um, businesses and people in the community, they have a love for wrestling. Um you guys have sponsorships that show up for the school, and I'm sure this has been very beneficial to you, but what challenges has it given you? Um, you know, I think, first of all, that's pretty accurate. You know, we have a, a tremendous support in our community, probably um, most of those things you look at as, as all positives, and, and I wouldn't really want it any other way. But as far as challenges goes, I think you know it's uh, it's something that kind of pushes you because the expectation is so high. Um, and, you know, our community wants uh, a successful program and a tradition of good wrestling, and I I think that's a challenge. But it's a challenge that's um, something I want, and that's all positive. So really, you know, if you're looking for negatives, it's almost a stretch in that aspect because. Um, this community has just been tremendous as far as the support um, for me and for our wrestling program and the kids and those types of things and they're willing to um, help me in, in a lot of different ways but mostly just uh, by having faith and, and believing in me to do my job and that's um, you really can't have a successful program without that type of uh, support so really I'd the challenge is in high expectation but that's something that that's so, my own goals also. That's something you're up for the challenge, I guess, to, to do. Yeah, yeah. It's really something that just like I don't think I'd want to be in a program that didn't have high expectations. You know, it's really something that I enjoyed about being at UNA. Uh, what are your numbers like? I know you guys have in the past, you've had pretty good numbers in the room, but what are your numbers? What are you looking at as far as this, this year? It typically ranges from about 40 to 65. Um, you know, two years ago when we went, <clears throat> we had a really good team and we went undefeated. We were all the way down to like 42, I think, which those numbers are low, but I think it's kind of because our room was so soft. It was hard for some of those uh, new kids or um, like kids that had never wrestled before to step into that room because they felt so uh, behind, I think. So, really, for me, you know, that 50 to 55 is, is like the uh, doable range, which is what I want. Um, it's, 
always a process where it kind of ebbs and flows up and down, but um, usually we average right around 50, I would say, and, and that's a good number to kind of make sure you have uh, the stables reloading and the development of those younger guys, but also have the good core group that have wrestled for, for a long time. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. You're always recruiting. You're always working on kids. You're always trying to get uh, certain athletes to buy into uh, to trying it at least, but I think it usually helps, you know, when we have success to kind of get that next group to try it out. What are you doing for, uh, as far as to try and keep that, uh, your feeder program? Let's go to your feeder program. What are you doing for that feeder program so that you've got those kids coming into the high school? So, really, you look at our our youth program, and that's what I'll call it, because really it's all phases all the way up until high school. And you got Jason Workman as the head junior high coach, but then you got his daughter, Candace Workman, uh, well, Candace Workman Trigus, you know, with Nico Trigus now that they're married. Um, and those two run the club. And basically, it's just that from a very young age, they're growing up kind of with this culture and mindset of we wrestle for Uena. And I think that's helped the last four or five years of just kind of. Um, building that tradition and that history of, you know, we wrestle for you on it and we expect to win. And then they kind of think that way from a young age. And I think that's really helped um, as these kids grow up and, and eventually get to me. But to, the truth is, I think Candace and Nico uh, and, and Jason do a really good job of making kids like wrestling, and specifically Candace. She does tremendous job at making kids like the sport, which is probably the hardest thing to do when it comes to coaching is get kids to enjoy wrestling because it's so hard. There's so many challenges. There's so many aspects of it that aren't um, like comfortable or enjoyable, but those lessons that are learned from it are what we're trying to stress, but it's hard for a young kid to see that. So I think Candace just really helps those young kids fall in love with it in a different way where by the time they come to me, I can coach them the way they need to be coached uh, instead of worrying about pushing them away and making them quit. And I think that's extremely valuable. I, I like that you bring that up as far as, because really sports are about the life lessons that are life skills that we, we learn the life skills in, in high school sports, right? Um, For sure, 100%. How, I guess, how do you teach that on your end back to the the student athletes that you're in charge of? I think really it comes down to like your expectations of what the season look like. Like what's my expectation for these kids? Um, and that kind of structures those lifelong characteristics. So, for example, you know, if our focus is on development, and that's our goal, like you get better every single day, then it just breeds that like integrity and um, accountability and hard work all have to happen in order to make sure you're meeting that daily goal. And so I think just kind of having expectations that are very clear for a program and saying, hey, look, you know, we're going to work as hard as we possibly can with the goal of every day we have to develop and get better. we got to work on areas we need to get better at. And 
when you when you have high standards and goals, you can't you can't really leave out those intangible characteristics that are going to help you in life, like hard work, integrity, and accountability, and those types of things. So I think it kind of comes from um, the clear expectations of what you want from them. But you know, it's it's not perfect. <laughs> that's the biggest thing is, you know, sometimes you have a kid that's tough and and they're not necessarily getting it or they're making a bunch of mistakes or they're quote unquote a bad kid. Um, and for me, like that's where I really feel like it's my job through athletics. Like that's where I help kids the most is use athletics to help that kid kind of see a different way. And, and that's kind of what I feel like is a learning, you know, it takes time to figure out how to do that. But I think that's kind of um, the main focus besides winning is using winning programs to develop a kid that uses athletics to make them a better person. Was there somewhere that you learned that along the line or is that is that you – your coaching method that you've come up with on your own? I mean, was there a coach that maybe had, I think gave both. that? I think both. I mean, it's definitely like, I obviously have learned a ton and made a bunch of mistakes that I had to learn from as a head coach. But you also kind of have these, uh, you know, you take the good and the bad from the coaches you had. And, and that kind of helped me kind of, be the coach I wanted to be, but that changes so much. Just like every year you learn something new and figure out, oh, well, I need to change that or this needs to, you know, be a little bit different. And, and so obviously you kind of adapt to your coaching philosophy, but it starts with, you know, the coaches that I had. And I think they kind of, a lot of them showed me things I wanted to do and some of them even showed me things that I don't want to do. So, so that can that can influence me just as much, I think. And and I've got some more other questions. We'll we'll get to those um, here in a little bit. But let's go to the team. I want to talk just a little bit about the team. You lost some big placers from last year's state cha- state championship team. Um, who will be some of your big contributors to the team this year that uh, that may have not, I guess, contributed uh, on the scoreboard scoreboard per se last year and maybe who are the going to be those that step up and be the leaders on the team where you've you know I, I look at your big the three heavies that you lost last year uh, were that were all in the they were almost well two of them were in the state finals the other one expected and then didn't and you lost those right. guys and so losing those who's going to be the leaders and then who's going to surprise us I guess well I think you know, you, you lose a lot of a lot of points like that, and it's natural to kind of um, wonder who's going to replace those points. But in all honesty, we probably lost a lot more the year before. And well, it's not it's not a question. We did lose a lot more points the year before, and these kids do a good job of understanding that. Hey, like that's a, those are big shoes to fill, and collectively as a team, we don't need to do it with one individual. We can do it with you know, a whole bunch of guys, and that question of who's going to score points that didn't last year, and it, there's actually quite a few names that pop into my mind that are capable that didn't score a lot at the state tournament. So you got Caden Young, who's 
Um, you know, right now you've got the, the Boger heavyweight who's, you know, ranked number one pound for pound or number one at heavyweight, you know, and ranked highly in all those national tournaments he's played. And Caden Young pinned him last year. So um, he's highly capable. He needs to get more comfortable wrestling in big moments, but he's beaten some of the best guys. He, you know, took third in divisionals last year and just didn't wrestle well to the tournament. So I think him stepping in at heavyweight will be, um, you know, not that much of a let off. Obviously, when you have the best heavyweight in the state with Jay Howard last year, there's going to be some um, shoes, big shoes to fill, and that's that's what we want from Caden. Uh, and then we got, you know, a lot of state placers that didn't return as a state placer last year, like they didn't they didn't um, repeat that credential. So Jackson McCurdy. Uh, had a knee issue. Was it? He wasn't even able to compete last year at the state tournament or divisional. So I'm sure he's going to be um, itching to get back to his old ways as a senior. And then Mason Holt hasn't played since he was a freshman, but he's been looking phenomenal. Um, so those two guys, and then Logan Holmes um, didn't play last year either. So those four guys right there are all state placers that didn't really score very many points for us in the state tournament that are very capable. And, and I think they'll all um, have pretty good seasons. They're, they're in the right mindset uh, going into this year. So, um, But there's a lot of guys that are, are capable that um, will step up. And we got two incoming freshmen that are, are very solid wrestlers that I think will score a lot of points as well. Three, three really that are ranked in the top 10. So all three of those kids are capable. A lot of uh, programs around the state, they go to other sports to recruit. Do you ever have holes, I guess, in the team where you go, oh, let's go find it? Like, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's it's heavyweight, right? You go to a right. sport like football and recruit. Or how, how successful have you been at doing that at UNA? Um, obviously not. As well as I'd like, because there's a lot of kids that I wish I could get to wrestle, and I don't think that's ever going to change or go away. But I do get a lot. Um, I talked a lot of it into it, um, which, you know, I hit up football, of course, just because those two sports go hand in hand so well uh, that it just makes a lot of sense that they want to be a good football player. You know, wrestling is the best offseason plan they could have so i definitely hit up hit up football but really i kind of have this like running recruiting list that i keep just basically keep notes in my phones of kids names anytime somebody mentions hey you should try to get this kid to wrestle it could be another pe teacher saying hey i got this freshman in my class that's really athletic you should talk to him about wrestling and i'll put his name in my phone and then this time of year in october i just go you know call these kids to the front office, talk to them, um, come to them to our wrestling meetings before season and just basically try to get them to try it. And, and that's kind of my method. Um, and it works about, I probably get about half of them or less. But I think that's something that you can't neglect. You know, even if it's a kid that wrestled all through, you know, elementary school and then he got to, you know, sixth or seventh grade, and decided to quit. 
and when those are the kids I'm talking to in high school. And sometimes I get them, and it's, it's just more like, uh, you know, in high school the sport's a lot more serious, and that is sometimes more enjoyable to them as well because it, it means more. They're going through all this hard work, but it, like you said, our community cares. So people care about their participation in this difficult sport, and that makes the process a little bit more enjoyable. They've sanctioned girls wrestling. Uh, the first year, I think you probably had them in your room specifically, but uh, from my understanding, you guys have broken off. You have separate practices because of the numbers. How has the addition of a girls program affected your program? So this is uh, a tough subject because um, it's like we want, and I want, and I say we, but I want girls wrestling to be um, – one, I, I like the fact that there's girls wrestling, um, and I'm glad that there is girls wrestling and that they have their own division so that they, you know, it's just obvious. When you have six girls that want to wrestle the first year because they're practicing with my team, the boys, and then the next year when they have their own practices, the number jumps to 30, it's pretty obvious that it needs to be you know, their own team and their own practice because look at how much the numbers increase when you have their own team, you know. So it's pretty obvious that it was necessary and needed. Uh, the real challenge and the problem I think that they've gone about doing this is um, it's almost taking from boys to give to girls in a lot of areas. And that's challenging because I'm the boys wrestling coach. And I'm not talking about you want it specifically. I'm talking about the entire state or whole country because, you know, they're running them in the same season where, you know, as, as a ref, like refs are low, mats are low, gym space is low, like all these challenges that the boys already have. Now it's, it's good for the sport. It's good for the girls. They have to make it um, so it's, you know, some sort of compromise where it's fair. That's all, and it's not easy, and it's probably going to take some growing pains. And when you look at our girls' program, they've done a really good job of um, dealing with that. Obviously, it's not perfect. I mean, you know, the tournament sizes aren't the same, and the awards aren't the same, and you don't get the officials and the arenas. So there's all these challenges that go with it. You know, there's some proposed solutions, but really it's just going to take time to work through and, and um, get it to where it makes sense for both sides and really I just look at it from the perspective I'm the boys coach and so it's my job to try to make sure I do what's best for them and at the same time I want there to be a girls program so um, that's the challenge moving forward is how do we do that in the most equitable way and you know there's been some good proposals I just don't know if it's really what it's going to take to get those things to go through. So a spring season for the girls um, makes a lot of sense to me. You know, it opens up all the maps, all the coaches, all the officials. And and it also, um, you know, there is no college folk-style girls wrestling. So it's almost, I don't know, there's a lot of things. There's a ton of, like, there's a ton of things that can be discussed about that side that, I don't know the clear answer to, but it's definitely something that um, just kind of has to be worked through and it's going to take time. That's really, that's really how I see it going. It's just, you know, this is how it's 
it is right now, and let's just keep working to make uh, some better solutions so it's as good for both sides. Well, let's uh, go back to coaching. What was it like wrestling for the brands? As as I mean, they were your coaches in in college. You know, it was it was that instant expectation environment. So, you know, growing up, I didn't have a big, um, I didn't like really have a goal to wrestle in college. It wasn't really something that had even crossed my mind because I wasn't exposed to it much. Um, it's not like you could just turn on the TV and watch these big high-level matches or college duels, but you can now. In fact, my first college duel I ever watched was on my recruiting trip to Minnesota. It was the first college match I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I was a senior after my senior year. So uh, it wasn't something that really even crossed my mind until I started to, to do well on the national level and get recruited. But you step into that into that program and you go from, Hey, I want to win state. I want to be the best to the expectation is you're in Iowa. So you're expected to win. And I think that value right there and that expectation is like one of the biggest keys to being, to being good is you have that confidence in your environment and your coaches. Uh, like it's already kind of, um, the pathways kind of paved for you. You just got to do the work. So I think that was the biggest thing is that that helped change my aspirations and goals um, to a higher level. That's number one. But then when Brand came in, you know, the first, my redshirt year, my head coach just got fired. You know, Hartung and Zaleski, well, Zaleski was the head coach, but Hartung was my personal coach who recruited me. They took fourth at Nationals, and they got fired. So that was a big wake-up call for me. Like, hey, fourth is not even close to good enough. And so Brands comes in and Schwab, and uh, and with them come five transfers from Virginia Tech. And, and really, it just totally was like, we're going to win, and that's all there is to it. And that was kind of the thought process. And then the high integrity, high accountability coaching came in and it was, you know, totally 180 degrees from what we had with Zaleski and Hartung. And it, it's shocking to think about that now, looking back on it. But some of the things that those college guys were allowed to do at that program were, they're just not high level. You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't training and expecting win because they weren't living lifestyles that were that way so you kind of saw that and then as soon as brands got there it was like yeah none of that is acceptable or okay and so that changed real quick but it was easy to change because for the most part everybody wanted to win and so it was great having them and Schwab was, was probably and probably still is one of the best coaches I've ever had so he was my personal coach where he did a lot of one-on-one stuff with me and now he's the head coach at Northern Iowa, so had some really good coaches. That first year, Gable was was an assistant as well, and I actually ended up renting a house from him the entire time uh, I lived after college, the five years afterward, and uh, became a really good friend and a really good like um, you know mentor as far as somebody that you could talk to about specific wrestling things, not necessarily always coaching, but just a good person in general so 
far as I, I'm concerned, had some really, really good coaches to learn from and to be um, trained by. So I picked up a lot of those things. And like I said, you know, the end of my career was not good with Tom, you know, and it ended really bad. And so, like, the way that went is something that I don't ever want to happen with with one of my wrestlers. So I learned from that as well. Maybe fill us in on exactly what happened. So it's pretty simple. Like Tom Brands is very high level coach. Like he cares a lot about winning and he wants to make his college guys the best he possibly can. And he is really good at that. And I give him a ton of credit for like how fast he made me good. Like he made me buy in and he turned, I went like the reason I turned my freshman season around so quick, in my sophomore season, I was all American was because of Tom. Like, so I want to start it with that. Like, as far as college goes, he was a great coach. Problem is, he's not good at relationships, and so he has a tendency that when he's done with you, like when he's done, and this is just the best word, when he's done using you to help him, he just will do anything to get rid of you. And a lot of times, that stuff is very. Um, I mean, the way it felt at the time was, like, your father figure, just, like, the guy you look up to the most just kind of, like, turned his back on you. Like, that's really what it was like. And it happened to me, and it felt personal, but in, in all reality, looking back, it, he did it to everybody. He did it to Metcalf. He did it to Schwab. He did it to Zadik. Like, that's just the way he ended relationships. When, when he felt like, all right, Teddy's been getting hurt too much, we got Sam Brooks in the room who's going to take over that spot pretty soon. That's just like, it's time for Teddy to move on. Instead of having that conversation and, and doing it the right way, he um, pushes you out. And it was very hard at the time because it's basically, you don't know any better. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know any better. I felt like that's where I belonged. And now looking back, he was right. You know, I've been hurt three years in a row. I wasn't, able to train as much and it was time for me to move on but um i definitely think he could work on like the way he handles relationships and i don't know if that'll ever change but he he didn't just do it to me he did everybody ramos and gilman you look like it's just the way he is and so you know he, he made me go train at cornell college before the 2015 world team trials because he said i was trying to hurt sam brooks so there was a lot of weird things that happened, but that was just his way of saying, like, your time is done, you need to go. But I'm sure so, you've, I don't want that. you've taken that and used go it ahead. in your own, I guess, coaching. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, the CJ Hyatt is one of my assistants, and he's really good at, uh, you know, running tournaments and things, but he, oh, a few years ago, put it in terms that I, I try to think of all the time as, you know, I get a new set and a new team every single year. And TJ, the way TJ put it is, you know, you get new kids every single year and they graduate and they move on. But you're their only high school wrestling coach they're, they're ever going to have. And, like, that's a completely different perspective. As kids are only going to have me as their coach. And so I want that experience to be and that relationship to be something that matters forever because because of what happened with Tom, you know, and, and I don't even really, at the time I was bitter and I probably even like 
you know, what you grow from it and you learn and it's like, you know, whatever, that's just who he is. And so you're fine with it. I just don't want that to happen to one of my wrestlers. And so it's kind of, kind of good for me in a way to look at it that way. Cause then, then I hopefully treat those relationships as, you know, more important, kind of like what Sensard was to me. And hopefully that's how, uh, it can be for for my teams moving forward. Let's um. We talk about the college wrestlers uh, quickly. What is your opinion of the college wrestlers receiving NIL money? I don't like it at all, um, but it's also almost like it was inevitable. So, in and here's my example or my opinion on it is you basically got the teams that have like really loyal kids, those really loyal kids, they're never going to, they're never going to enter that transfer portal and try it to go somewhere else. But if you have small programs and you all of a sudden do well, you're gone. And, and the reason for that is because the opportunity is these big schools are going to pay like, they're going to pay you like a professional athlete. So why wouldn't you? Um, and that totally changes uh, the team race and what it is like, like the idea of college wrestling or college sports in general to me. So it was also inevitable. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it does a lot of good to whine and complain about it. I just, I'm not a big fan of where it's going. I mean, I have a lot of experience just talking about, Metcalf was at Iowa State about it. He just, you know, the examples are basically a kid, uh, he'll be an All American at a school or even maybe a national champ sometimes. And they get an agent, and that agent just starts floating to all the schools. Hey, this kid's thinking about entering the transfer portal. Like, what would you have for him? Like, that's how this is going now. That's literally how the system works. And, and if, um, if there's good offers, like, hey, yeah, we can give, like, I'm not kidding, like a million dollars, then these kids will enter the transfer portal and just see how much they can get. And so that's kind of how this is going. It's crazy. I mean, if you have a, you know, you look at the, the Ferrari kid right now, I'm sure that's, that's what's going on. It's, it's basically race to see who gets the most money to get a national champ with three years of eligibility. And it's very different. So I don't like it, um, but I don't see how it was going to – I don't see how else it's going to happen. I mean, just the way things have progressed. It's just the way it is. Well, thanks, Phil, for coming on. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate you having me and hopefully some sort of interesting point. <laughs> UNA Basin Sports and Sorts, sponsored by Levitt Group Insurance Agency, Vernal and Roosevelt, personal auto, homeowners, business insurance. We specialize in the oil and gas industry, workers' compensation body. Call us, 435-781-0000. You can call me at 435-724-7773. Also, Rough Housing Kennels. Let your dog get rid of their zoomies at Doggy Daycare. Go to roughhousingkennels.com or call 435-725-DOGS for more information.
Sports and Sorts with Mark Winterton on News Talk 104.5 FM and AM 920 KVEL.